Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When I learn to forgive, really the person that I'm setting free is me. Because see, if I don't, this is my life. God can't use me. I'm full of rejection, negative, critical. Everything I look at life is formed on these hurts. And I'm useless to God. And the person that's imprisoned is not the one that hurt me. It's me. That's forgiving. Unforgiveness is so deceptive. We think we've given hurt back to the one who hurt us, when in reality, they're unaware of our feelings towards them. In addition to that, our attitude begins to act on us like acid in our veins, corroding the happiness we once had and replacing it with bitterness and cynicism. As Pastor Mark is teaching, we need to understand the damage that unforgiveness does to us as well as how it displeases God. We need to repent of our sins forgive our transgressor in the same way God has forgiven us and allow God to heal us and repair our relationships. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapters 40 and 41 with part one of his message, It's Time to Forget. Very quickly, understand that life is painful for everyone. Some hurts are simply unavoidable. Now, I'm going to go too fast in this little preview for you to copy all these, so you'll have to get them later. In this room this morning, everyone has been hurt. Divorces, relationships, abuse as a child. As we heard last week, we'll hear this morning drugs and alcohol. Maybe you were set for a promotion and somebody got it ahead of you. You thought you were getting into college. Somebody rejected you. You were abused as a child. You were raped as a girl or a boy as a, as a teenager. We're all, many of you this morning come from churches where you've been hurt. It's unavoidable. Well, what do I do about that? Number two. If I'm going to really enjoy life as God wants, then I have to learn to handle those hurts. I can't avoid them. I can't dodge them. They're going to be there. Number three, this series of handling them involves forgiving. Today, we're talking about forgetting. It's not complicated, but yes, yes, it is hard sometimes because we have to deal with who we really are and we have to address those issues in our lives. We've learned some principles. We've given you two. We'll give you the third one this morning. Number one, how can I be set free from a hurtful past? I have to stay in relationship to God. Everything really revolves around God. Number two, I have to learn the practice, the practice of real forgiveness. Now, the reason it's a practice 
is because between now and the end of your life, you will be hurt many more times. So it's not a principle I learned today. Go through it, do it, and never have to worry about it again. No, more hurts are coming. To forgive. To forgive is to set someone free from a debt they owe because of a wrong done to you. So I actually have to set them free. Now the slide before this, we might have missed it. I'll go back to it for a second. Real forgiveness, well, it always starts with God. There's no way this morning, if you're not a Christian, born again, have accepted Jesus Christ, there's no way for you to live in forgiveness. Because you have guilt. No one has ever taken care of your sin. Now, at the end of the service this morning, we'll give many of you an opportunity to do that. You see, there must be a time in your life when you consciously did this. God, I know I'm a sinner. My sin hurts you. Your son, Jesus, died on the cross for me. I realize you paid the penalty. I ask forgiveness and receive you into my heart this morning as my Lord and Savior. You see, being a church member, going to church, taking communion, maybe you just gave to the tsunami fund. Wonderful. It does not offset your sin. Only Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection does that. That's why he's called the Savior of the world. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. So all forgiveness, if I'm going to be successful in my life, I have to start with God in my life. Some of you have not done that yet. You will today. Now, another point is simply this. We learn to forgive others as we've been forgiven. Well, how did God forgive me? It was undeserved. It was unmerited. And it was free. It was free to me. The cross, it cost Jesus everything to give me freedom. So I can't require of you, if you've hurt me, I can't say to you, you got to pay me back. No, I offer forgiveness the same way it's been offered to me. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Next, we're to forgive people because God commands it. Not just some people, but everyone. And that means I need God's power to do it. So we are able to forgive because God gives us the power to forgive. God never asks us to do something that we couldn't do with his strength. Now, we learned something last week with this cage, and this is the last week the cage will be up. I hope forever it's been burned into your heart and mind. Let's say you've been hurt in a church, or you were abused as a young person, boy or girl today, or you've been through a divorce, a terrible divorce, or some other hurt in your life. That individual, those circumstances... You've not really forgiven them. You have bitterness in your heart. You have rejection for them. You're angry at them. We believe that we put those people, that that person that abused me, that church situation, the person that jumped over me at work and lied about me and got the promotion and I didn't. Well, we've kind of taken care of them. No way I'm forgiving them. And we put them kind of, we think, in in this little prison. And we think by not forgiving them, I'm kind of, in a way, settling the score. But we learned a huge principle last week. 
what we learned was this. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was me. You see, when I don't forgive you for what you did to me, I think I've got you in here. No, I'm the one in here. You see, all the while I'm drinking the bitterness and rejection of poison. I'm drinking it and I'm expecting you to die. But you don't even have a clue. And so when I learn to forgive, really the person that I'm setting free is me. Because see, if I don't, this is my life. God can't use me. I'm full of rejection, negative, critical. Everything I look at life is formed on these hurts. And I'm useless to God. And the person that's imprisoned is not the one that hurt me. It's me. That's forgiving. Now this morning, we're going one step further. Forgetting. You see, often in church, people tell us the problems, but they don't give us the solutions. You're going to hear the solution this morning. How to forget once and for all. Before we do that, Greg's coming. I've asked people to give a little testimony. Barb gave hers. Greg's going to talk to us this morning about his past. Greg's wife, Rachel, runs our chapel store. And I want you to relate to what you're going to hear. And as you know, it's hard for these people to share who they are, who they were. You can imagine. So you pray for them. Why don't you welcome Greg this morning? Good morning. Thank you. Uh, This is a privilege to be here for you guys to listen to me and I get to talk to you. I just want to thank you for the opportunity. I've been in church my whole life. As a child, and at the age of 11, I accepted Jesus Christ in my heart. And after I accepted him in my heart, I didn't really pursue the Bible. I didn't pursue praying. I just kind of was a pew sitter and warmed the seats. And this went on all the way up until 18, 19, my whole life, actually. At uh, 18 years old, I had my first harmless drink of alcohol and uh, on a Friday night, and it seemed to be then on a Friday-Saturday ritual that I would go out and get intoxicated. It wasn't, I'm, I'm a person that, it wasn't just a drink, it was many, many drinks. So that harmless drink led into um, an everyday um, pattern of drinking every single night. And um, at 18, 19, 20 years old, you say, you know, you know, age is 21 to buy alcohol. Well, Satan is, uh, he's really good. He makes it available. Um, you know, any, any sin that he can get you addicted to, he makes it available for you. At the age of 20, I started uh, smoking marijuana. And uh, again, that became an everyday affair. After that, I started selling drugs. And after that, and uh, for seven years, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And um, I was uh, definitely watching my life go downhill. This isn't how I was raised. I went to church every Sunday. I was a greeter. I was just a pew sitter. I wasn't doing anything to change my life. Whatever my life was the day before, the next day was the same thing because I didn't change anything. I just continued to live my life the same way. And uh, every night when I go to bed, I'd feel guilty. I was intoxicated, and, you know, I would cry out. And, but it, the next day, I would do the exact same thing. And... Um, 
I wanted to stop, but well, you can't do it on your own. I ended up uh, taking a job uh, that was a drug-free workplace, so instead of uh, doing drugs all the time, it was now drink 100% of the time, and um, I crawled into a bottle, and that's where I lived at. I lived there for a long time. I ended up uh, landing in jail because I got so intoxicated one night, and um, at, at that point in time, I, I got a ride home, and I looked at my life, and I got down on my knees, and I said, Lord, it used to be a lot better when I was 11 years old, and uh, I want you to change my life back to what it used to be. And I asked the Lord forgiveness. I, I cried out for mercy, and uh, he was there. And I hadn't eaten in three weeks. All I had done was drink, and I was losing weight like crazy, and God changed my life that night. I gave him three months is what I said. I'll give you three months. I'll I'll sell out totally to you. I'll do anything and everything you ask me to do. But if I don't see some major changes in three months, I'll probably go back to killing myself like I was prior. And um, it only took uh, three weeks. I was back in on my knees in my bedroom, and uh, my whole life was changed. I was able to get good night's sleep. My relationship with my family had grown back together. You know, when you're an addict, you lie, you steal, you cheat, you do anything and everything you can to get your next fix. While I was in there that last time praying to the Lord, I made a commitment that I would never do drugs or alcohol again. And uh, it was definitely the best day of my life. And every day since then, God's helped me. And he's the main reason why I'm here today. He's the main reason why I'm married and get to come to a wonderful church like this. I did get rid of all my old friends because the memories of me being um, a drunk and alcoholic and and then uh, being completely changed, it, it wasn't quite easy for them, and it wasn't easy for me to for them to remember how uh, how wild I was. So um, I put new structure in my life, found good Christian friends, and and uh, that structure really helped me. They were my support group. But the praise report is six and a half years I've been saved. But when I was in that room. Six and a half years. Um, when I was in that room and I was crying out to the Lord, a lot of things came back to my memory. When I was uh, selling drugs, I sold drugs to a young lady, and um, she uh, got in a car accident. She had three times the legal limit of uh, alcohol in her blood, but in that blood there was also some of the drugs that I had sold her, and that was a, a nightmare. It was uh, something that haunted me, and the Lord um, really worked a, a work in my life, and he, and he helped me, and he changed me, and from then on, you know, um, he, he's just continued to grow and bless me. And uh, he restored my family, like I said earlier, which had been almost completely dissolved. You know, no one wants to be around somebody like me. And, uh, and now I've been blessed to teach a class here at church. It's called One Steps, and it's for people that have uh, drug and alcohol problems or had them in the past, and it's a good support group. And in this class, we stand on one scripture. That one scripture is 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And uh, that's one that, we, that I have to stand on. Um, there's still temptations in my life. And... God gives me the strength. If I run toward the temptation, I'm giving into it. But if I stand on God's word, like 1 Corinthians says, then he will provide a way out for me. And it's guaranteed because it's in the Bible. He's faithful and he's always there for you. In the class, I also started out with an example. It's um, you walk into a room 
uh, an arena, and in the middle of the arena there's a ring, and you, you're walking towards it, and you're getting ready to go do something, and you see these two huge guys. They're nine foot tall, 550 pounds. These guys are giant. They could crush you one person, one at a time. And as you're walking there, you're like, oh boy. And uh, you see there's two of them, so that means you have a tag team partner also. And the, the announcer gets on the, the microphone and says, um, all right, we're going to introduce the star. We're going to introduce the world champion, never defeated, never can be defeated, the master of the universe. And that's Jesus Christ, and that's your tag team partner. Don't ever let him out of your sight. Don't get farther away from an arm's reach because he's there to help you, and he can beat anything that Satan throws at you because without God, you can do nothing. Turn to Genesis 41. Some of you, as you heard that testimony, say, that'll work for Greg, but can't happen for me. We're going to see this morning where that lie comes from. Joseph, at the age of 17, living in Israel, was sold into slavery by his brothers. They rejected him. They hated the dreams that Joseph had. He was a favored son. He was put in a pit and instead of killed was sent in a caravan that went to Egypt. At the age of 17, Joseph arrived as a young man, didn't know the language, in a foreign country, a pagan country. But the Bible says that God was with him. Because Joseph, in this verse, as we see, later named one of his sons Manasseh. The word Manasseh means to forget, amnesia. And then Joseph says this, God showed me how to forget. So even though Joseph had gone through a hurt already, a horrible hurt of being rejected, sold as a slave, God was with him. He walked in forgiveness against his brothers, and God began to use him. He was in a house of Potiphar. He was given incredible authority in that house. Day in, day out, Joseph was doing wonderful things. Joseph was a young man, good looking. Potiphar's wife constantly trying to get him to go to bed with her. Over and over, Joseph had refused. And finally, one day, she grabbed his coat as he ran, not wanting to sin against God. Well, she took that coat and said to her husband, Potiphar, this slave you brought? <laughs> nice guy. He's been trying to seduce me the whole time he's been in the palace. Because of that, all of a sudden, Joseph experiences hurt number two. He's thrown in prison for doing the right thing and not going to bed. That brings us to this next step, this forgiving and forgetting. Here's step number three. We have to learn the practice of forgetting. We have to learn to quit living in the past. Notice the word practice. Practice of forgiving, practice of forgetting. Let me explain something to you right up front so you'll understand what I mean by this. Life is filled with these hurts. 
It's a practice I have to learn how to forgive and forget. It's an ongoing practice. It's an ongoing study of God. Here's what I find that happens, and I want to caution you about it this morning. Quite often over the last number of years, I've taught on marriage. People come to the series on marriage. They love it. Their marriages get restored. They forget that their marriage got restored because God restored it. Pretty soon, they used to come every week. They used to be into the Word. They used to be in a small group. Not now. It's every third week. The small group, well, too many active things in the week. The private devotions, no time. In a matter of two years, they're divorced. And then they'll say something like this. Well, the, the, the principles I learned didn't work. No, you learned the principle. You didn't just continue to practice the principle. Understand in three more weeks, we're done with this series. Will you have any more hurts in your life? Are you kidding? We have to be in church. We have to be in the word. We need to be in a small group. It's an ongoing growth process in your life. So please, at the end of six weeks, don't say, I got it. I can live life now on my own. You cannot. God designed for us to be together. Now, what do I mean by forgetting? To forget does not mean to fail to remember. You just heard Greg. He sat here and he went through his history. You heard Barb. All the hurts. You see, God's given us this incredible brain, an unbelievable memory. And the things that we do are categorized. They're in file cabinets in our brain. Now, here's a little sign if you're getting older. When you get older, you remember things way in the past, but you can't remember what you had for breakfast. Do I have any hands? Oh, what was I talking about? Let me see here. Uh, but see, it isn't because it isn't there. It's still there. And all of a sudden, it's interesting to me, the first time I went to India, about mm, 88, I remember getting off the plane and I remember that smell. And I didn't go back to India for about 10 years. The minute I got off the plane, whoo, Memories. By the way, smell is an incredible kicker back to our memories. So when we talk about forgetting, we're not saying that those things in our past are gone. They're still there. But what do I mean by forgetting? When God helps us forget, he does not take away our past memories, but he does enable us to remember without paralyzing pain. So write this definition this morning. What does to forget mean? I am no longer influenced or affected negatively by my past sins or hurts. I no longer have the hurt. You see, the memory's there, but the hurt, the negative thinking about it is not there because I've forgotten, I've left go of that hurt. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us of the universal struggle of human suffering. We were also taught that despite its difficulty, learning to forgive is imperative if we want to mature in our relationship with God. 
We were told about the freeing nature of forgiveness, and ultimately that God has to give us the ability to forgive so that His life can flow more fully through us. Today's message from Pastor Mark's Prison Break series is available to be listened to again online at LessonsForLivingRadio.com or find out how you can order a CD copy for only $5. Pastor Mark has also written a book covering the same topics, teaching biblical truths to help us deal with hurts from the past. This book is available for purchase online at LessonsForLivingRadio.com or by giving us a call at 866-779-3441. Again, that's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching It's Time to Forget. We will hear more about the story of Joseph, the wrongs that were done to him, and the generosity he was able to show his brothers. We will learn how to forgive people in the same way God has forgiven us, as well as finding out about how to actually forget about the hurts done to us. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Prison Break. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.